there in Luke chapter 14, beginning in verse 15. Let us now give our attention to the reading and the hearing of God's holy and inspired word. And when one of them that sat at meat with Jesus heard these things, he said unto him, Blessed is he that shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Then Jesus said unto him, A certain man made a great supper and bade many, and sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, Come, for all things are now ready. And they all with one consent began to make excuse. The first said unto him, I've bought a piece of ground, and I must needs go and see it. I pray thee, have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to prove them. I pray thee, have me excused. And another said, I've married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So that servant came and showed his Lord these things. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city, and bring in hither the poor, the maim, and the halt, and the blind. And the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded, and yet there is room. And the Lord said unto the servant, Go out into the highways, and hedges, and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. For I say unto you that none of those men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. O Lord our God, we do give thee thanks for thy word. We would ask that you would Open our ears and our hearts as we hear the word preached this day. That we would hear and receive wonderful things from thy word. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. There were outlines in the back if you would like to use an outline this morning to take notes. I would invite you to do so. As we look at this passage this morning and consider the wonderful things that we find recorded in this passage of Scripture, we see in this second section of Luke's account of the Gospel, this long section on another confrontation that Jesus has with the disciples. It takes place at a meal. Throughout the Gospel of Luke, there seems to be an emphasis upon meals. Jesus is either going to a meal, he's at a meal, or he's getting ready to eat another meal. But it's always at the invitation of the guest. And so here in our passage this morning, we see that the Lord Jesus Christ is there in that 
gathering on the Sabbath day. As I said, meals and food are very important in the Gospel of Luke. And as Jesus is frequently dining at a meal, we see here in this passage before us that as he's confronting the Jews regarding the kingdom of God, Luke wants us to see, and I think we have to remind ourselves as we continue in our study of Luke, it's quite a long book, it's the longest uh, gospel recorded for us, and yet Luke wants us to see, if we see anything else, he wants us to see that Jesus, as the Son of God, rejected by sinners, came and called men and women to follow him. And so here this takes place within a meal. And as we think about the occasion that took place here, we see that there are four scenes in chapter 14 that are around a meal. We see there in those first seven verses, as we saw a few weeks ago, we see the arrogance and the selfishness of these Pharisees regarding their religion. Their religion was worthless. It was cold. It was formal. And it was hypocritical. And Jesus confronts them on their selfishness regarding their worthless religion. But secondly, we saw in the second scene around this meal, that as they're sitting there at that table on the Sabbath, they begin to argue about positions of prominence, positions within the kingdom of God. And we find here Jesus confronting them that they're not called to give honor to their positions or whether they have authority within the kingdom of God. They're called to humility. The greatest way that one can serve within the kingdom of God is not to have a prominent place, not to have a position of leadership, but to have a position of service and humility as the Lord Jesus Christ. But thirdly, we see the selfishness of these scribes and teachers of the law as they failed in giving, as they failed in their hospitality. And Jesus reminds them of that as he calls them to the kingdom. And that's the whole focus of this last section of Luke's gospel. The call to the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. How will they come? And so Jesus shows them that they are to exalt, not to exalt themselves, but they are to be humble and to serve as the Lord Jesus Christ serves. And so there's a call to hospitality, there's a call to giving. There's a call to service within the kingdom of God. But the fourth and final scene around this meal takes place here in our passage before us. We see the selfishness of the Pharisees and scribes in their priorities. Where do we find their priorities? Are their priorities found in the kingdom of God? Or are their priorities found in the kingdom's of this world. And that's the occasion for the setting here. All of this, chapter 14, takes place at one event on that Sabbath day at that Sabbath meal. And as they're eating there with the Lord Jesus Christ, he calls them to consider their priorities within the kingdom of God. 
so here as we continue to look at the occasion of this passage before us. We see there in verse 15. That as Jesus is there dining. As he had, has called them to humility and service. He reminds them in verse 14. The one is blessed who will receive his recompense or his reward at the resurrection at the last day. And it's on that point when Jesus talks about that future reward that awaits those who are citizens of the kingdom of God. One man there at the meal, we don't know who this man was, he was just simply sitting there close to the Lord Jesus in proximity. And it says, one of them that sat with him at the meal heard these things. What things did he hear? He heard Jesus condemning the Jews for their false religion, for their false piety, for their false humility. He condemns them. And the man heard these things. And his response is, blessed is the one that shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. It's a wonderful response, right? I mean, Jesus has just said that there will be a reward for the righteous in the resurrection. And this man responds with, Blessed is he that shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Now on the surface, that might seem like a a good response, but how does Jesus address that response? He addresses it with this parable. That response might sound good on the surface, but I'm sure in that man's heart he's thinking, yeah, I'll be there. I'll be eating bread with the Lord Jesus Christ in that kingdom. And so it's a reference to that future day. It's a reference, it's an eschatological reference to that end time feast that will come. And so it's on that occasion that we find the Lord Jesus Christ at that meal, beginning to relate to them this parable. And so not only do we see the occasion, we see the parable. And in that parable, it says, Jesus tells him of a certain man who prepared a great supper, and he invited many to that meal. And then as he he sends his servant out, He says, come, everything is ready for this great supper. And so we see there in verse 18 that they all begin with one consent to make excuses for not coming to this meal. Here we find three excuses that are used by those whom the Lord calls to this supper. He sends his servant and it says that one, the first one in verse 18 has a wonderful excuse. I bought a piece of ground and I must go and see it. Now notice the excuse that he makes. It's not a legitimate excuse when you think about it. Because he doesn't say, I've got to go and make the transaction to buy the field. He hasn't even bought the field. It says he needs to go and look at it and see it. So what, you can't go and see it at another time? It's, it's, it's pressing to go and see it now? 
And so we see here that this man begins to make an excuse for why he cannot come. Because he must go and, and see a field that he has not yet purchased. I pray thee have me excused. Then we see the second excuse in verse 19. I bought five yoke of oxen and I go to prove them. I pray thee have me excused. And so we see here that this man has bought oxen and he must go and take care of his, of his oxen. He doesn't give any particulars as to why he finds this to be a legitimate excuse. But I bought five yoke of oxen. Now I have to go and take care of them. Please have me excused. I love the third excuse. I've married a wife and therefore I cannot come. Isn't that a legitimate excuse? I just got married. I must tend to my wife. And in that excuse that the man uses, he is not called to go to war. In Deuteronomy chapter 25, a man who was newly married was exempt from military service. He's not being called to military service here. He's simply being called to a feast that the Lord has prepared. Now he says, I've married a wife. I must take care of her. There's more important priorities. And as we see all of these excuses that are used here in this passage of Scripture, we find how easy it is for the call of the gospel to go out and for people to have all kinds of excuses for not responding to that gospel. There in the book of Acts, which is the sequel account to Luke's gospel, we find Paul, as it was generally his custom, to go to those in positions of authority and leadership, and he comes before King Agrippa. And what's King Agrippa's response? Thou has almost persuaded me. And in that, there was an excuse. And we see the Lord Jesus Christ sending his servant to invite to the feast those whom he will. We find here in this wonderful passage of scripture that as the Lord Jesus Christ sends out his servants, oftentimes there are so many excuses that people use for not following Christ. Perhaps this morning you don't have a plot of land that you're looking at to buy. Perhaps you don't have a newly, you're not newly married and so you don't have a wife to, to take care of. And perhaps you don't have five yoke of oxen. But you know what? We all have many things in our life that becomes a priority that takes place over the kingdom of God. We must be careful here that we do not see that we are to neglect our regular duties and callings to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. But are we not called to serve Christ in our daily callings? Are we not called to serve Christ and give priority to his kingdom in our callings? This past Thursday I was just absolutely amazed as I sat down with Congressman Jerry O'Connor 
solid man who went to Bible college, was preparing to go into the ministry, and the Lord in His providence directed him to become involved in banking and, and business. And so now he's retired, making that big salary there in uh, Madison. And uh, as we're sitting there at the table talking, he says, you know what? We all have a calling in our lives. And he says, my calling is to serve here. But he says, we must remember our calling as Christians in this world. And he says, to serve in the legislature is a calling. And as I'm sitting there looking at this man, I'm thinking, this is a representative in our state government talking about the importance of calling. We don't neglect the Lord Jesus Christ in our callings. In fact, we are called to serve Him in every area and sphere of life. And so oftentimes it's easy for us to think of excuses. Well, I can't come tonight. I can't come to the, to the Lord's Day evening service. I'm just tired. I am just worn out. And yet... We find in this passage that the day of the Lord is a delight to our souls. That the day of the Lord provides refreshment for us. And so we, like the people in this parable, can find all kinds of excuses for why we should not follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, they are excuses that can easily be uh, answered. Oftentimes people raise objections. Oftentimes people bring excuses, but that's all they are. They really don't carry any weight because as we'll see later here in this passage, Jesus calls people to follow Him. And to follow Jesus Christ does not mean we neglect our duty, but to follow the Lord Jesus Christ means that we serve Him in all of our callings. As housewives, that is your calling. As mothers, that is your calling. As business Men, that is your calling. As teachers, that is your calling. Whatever station in life we have, our calling is to consider first the priority of the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as Jesus here tells in this parable, and again, well, we want to remember there's no esoteric or hidden message in the parables of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's just a simple uh, message for us. But here in this parable of this great supper, notice it says here that a man made a great supper. It was not just a small supper, but it was a great supper. In other words, Luke is emphasizing that this is, this is an important thing. Not only is it called a great supper, it's one to whom many are invited, many are called And so Jesus shows us that the kingdom of God is like a great supper. And the gospel is the call to come and dine with the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus doesn't call people to just simply be like the Pharisees, just take our position within the uh, Sabbath day service. But the Lord Jesus Christ calls us to his kingdom, calls us through the gospel to come And dine with him. And so as the servant comes back and says to the master. Verse 21. I went and showed them the things that you commanded. 
It says, The master of the house became angry and said to the servant, Go quickly into the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in hither, bring in the poor, the maimed, the halt, the blind. What did the servant say? Did the servant make excuses? Did the servant say, Well, give me five minutes? Now the servant says, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded. And yet, there is no, and yet there is room. There's still room. And then the master said to the servant, verse 23, Go into the highways, go into the hedges, go all around the villages and call so that my house may be filled. Notice there in verse 23, the master says to the servant, compel them to come into my house, that it may be filled. That word compelled there is that word that means that you you have an urgency, you have a need to go and to do. We see the Apostle Paul in that same way compelled to take the gospel to the Gentiles. We see the Lord Jesus compelled to show mercy and compassion to the people. We see the Lord Jesus Christ compelled to call the people to repentance, to come and to dine. Matthew Henry says we see here in this parable the free grace of God in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he reminds us that there are several ways we see the free grace of the Lord Jesus Christ in the gospel. And it's shown to us in this parable. We see it in the rich provision that Christ makes for the nourishment and the refreshment for poor souls. Notice here in the parable, Jesus says, compel them to come in that my house may be filled. Call the poor. Call the maim. Call the halt. Call the blind. So Henry says, we see the rich provision the Lord Jesus Christ makes for the nourishment and the refreshment of poor sinful souls. But we see here, secondly, he says, the gracious invitation that the Lord Jesus Christ gives. There in Isaiah chapter 25 and verse 6, and we see in this the the prophecies of the Old Testament that refer to the ministry of the Messiah that would come. And there in chapter 25 and verse 6, And in this mountain shall the Lord of hosts make unto all people a feast of fat things, a feast of wines on the lees, of fat things full of marrow, of wines on the lees, well refined. Here we see in verse 6 of this passage, this prophecy, that there is coming a day when the Lord's kingdom will advance through the nations of the earth. And we see that the advancement of the kingdom is pictured as a luxurious feast where there is much food, where there are fat things to eat, where there is wine, where the Lord provides plenty for His people. 
And so the gracious invitation that the Lord Jesus Christ gives comes out of that free grace where the Lord Jesus Christ makes provision. But Matthew Henry reminds us of the cold rejection that comes from hearing the gospel. But he says care must be taken to furnish the table. Notice here in the parable that Jesus is compelled. He is the servant or he is the the master calling his servants to go out and to call them in. And the servant comes back and says, Lord, it's done as you have commanded. And yet there's still room. And go and compel them from the highways and the hedges to come, that my house may be filled. Think of that passage there in the upper room discourse in the Gospel of John, where Jesus says to his disciples before his death, He says, in my Father's house are many rooms or many mansions and I go to prepare a place for you. And he says, if I go and prepare a place for for you, then you will become and be with me. And so we see here the provision that the Lord Jesus Christ makes that his house may be filled to overflowing. We certainly don't see the invitation here as that modern invention by Charles Finney, where we plead and we mourn and we do all of these antics to call people to repentance. The gospel goes forth, people are called to repentance, and yet in that invitation, the Lord Jesus Christ is gracious. Notice in the passage, those who come, It's not those who have the excuses. They're actually excluded when you look at the parable. The ones that come and receive that welcome invitation are the poor, the maimed, and the blind. Those who come realizing that they have nothing else to bring before the Lord Jesus Christ. And so this wonderful parable, you have to to read it and really, really meditate upon it, but we see the great mercy and grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. That even though the gospel goes forth, people are called to repentance and faith, many will reject it. But here we see that God wills the salvation of all the elect. This is where I depart in one point from J.C. Ryle where he says the gospel invitation goes to all people but only those who receive it will come. He wills the salvation of all the elect and yet here in this parable we see they come. We see that the Lord's house is filled with all those whom he wills. Man cannot will his own salvation. Men men and women cannot decide for the Lord Jesus Christ because their hearts are hardened, because their hearts are desperately wicked. Their hearts are prone to wander away from God. And yet He wills the salvation of all of His elect. And so Jesus commands that His servants go to the highways, 
to the misfits, to the poor. And here as Jesus calls his servant to go, we see in this passage that the poor are made rich, that the spiritually sick are made whole, and the spiritually blind see. Martin Luther has a wonderful quote. And he has some great quotes, but I particularly was drawn to this quote. He says, He has therefore made provision that he must have people that eat, drink, and are merry, though he should make them out of stones. And it is the Lord Jesus Christ that makes out of stony hearts hearts of flesh. It is the Lord Jesus Christ in His grace and mercy that provides for His people that they may eat, drink, and be merry so that those, sto- those hearts of stone, those hard-hearted hearts might be melted by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is the servant who invites to the feast whom He wills. Notice in the passage of Scripture that Jesus sends out His servant. He gives the call. He gives the warning to follow Him. And yet in that call, many will reject it. And they do so at their own peril. People reject Christ, not because they don't have enough evidence. A person can be fully convinced in their mind and be as far from Christ as you can ever imagine. Many skeptics know everything about the Christian faith. Many people have that intellectual knowledge of the faith, but they have no heart to receive it. They have no heart that is willing to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. And so it is Jesus who is the host, who is the master, who invites to the feast whom He wills. There's that wonderful passage in Isaiah chapter 55 verses 1 and 2. And it is a call in the Old Testament to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. To the gospel of the kingdom. Ho, every one that thirsteth, come ye to the waters. And he that hath no money, come ye, buy and eat. Yea, come buy wine and milk without money. And without price. Wherefore do you spend money for that which is not bread. And your labor for that which does not satisfy. Hearken diligently unto me. And eat ye that which is good. And let your soul delight itself in fatness. Incline your ear and come unto me. Here and your soul shall live. And I will make an everlasting covenant with you. Even the sure mercies of David. Behold I have given him for a witness to the people. Behold thou shalt call a nation that thou knowest not. Nations that knew thee not. Shall run unto thee because of the Lord thy God. And for the Holy One of Israel. And there as we see the Lord bidding To all who are thirsty to come. As he ushers that call to repentance and faith. We see there in verse 55.5. 
that the Lord Jesus Christ does not call just Israel, but He calls the nations to follow Him. But notice at the end of verse 5 in that Isaiah passage, that He will call a nation that He knows not, that knew not Thee, they shall run unto Thee, Because of the Lord thy God. And here's the picture. That the call goes out not to reluctant people. The call doesn't go out to those who say, Well, you know, I'm not sure. The call goes to those who run unto thee. Because of the Lord thy God. And friends, unless the Lord Jesus Christ causes us with open and transparent hearts to come unto him we will not come Jesus invites us to the feast and who will come we find some wonderful lessons within this parable that we must not overlook that wonderful promise that we find here of which I've already alluded to that the Lord makes provision for precious souls to come into his kingdom. Not only does he make provision, but he calls the very low of the earth, he calls the misfits, he calls the outcasts, that they might come with great joy. I think of that wonderful illustration I used a few weeks ago from Reverend William Still, the Church of Scotland minister a number of years ago who says, I want to see my congregation transformed from misfits, from outcasts into a family of believers that know how to serve and follow the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus comes and calls us to follow Him. The gospel goes out and the gospel goes with the benefit of saving those Whom the Lord Jesus Christ calls. But this is an indictment against the Pharisees and scribes. Because many of them would not enter into the kingdom. Jesus says the publicans and harlots will come into the kingdom of God. Before the scribes and Pharisees. And he says the first shall be last and the last shall be first. But here we see in this parable. The lesson that Christ's ministers, Christ's servants are called to give that invitation to the gospel feast. There's the call to go out quickly, to not lose time, but to be ready to to compel them to come in. Notice the Lord Jesus Christ did not compel people by sword or guns or any other weapons of our world's wealth warfare. Jesus calls people tenderly and compassionately to come and to seek Him. And we find here as the Lord calls us to follow Him, we see this wonderful message of the Gospel here in this passage of Scripture. That we are called to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. But as we think upon the lessons here in this passage of Scripture, the question comes, are we willing to lay aside whatever excuses we have and follow Christ? 
Well, you know, I'm not ready to make that profession of faith. I know I've been baptized and connected to the church visibly, but I've never called, I've never publicly declared my allegiance to Jesus Christ. The question is why? Why do you delay? Why do you wait? Here the call is to come and dine with the Lord Jesus Christ. Happy is he who eats and is satisfied. Happy is he who eats and finds joy. Happy is he who eats and finds the kingdom of God. That society of family that is built up in the Lord Jesus Christ. And in this call the gospel is often rejected even among those who are visibly identified with the church. There's too many excuses, too many reasons why we can't come, why we can't do what the Lord Jesus Christ calls us to do. There in the Gospel of John chapter 6, and I thought this was a wonderful segue into our observance of the Lord's Supper this next Lord's Day. But there as we think about coming to the Lord Jesus Christ, coming to that feast that He has prepared for us, there in John chapter 6, verse 21, we find there Jesus in that I am statement saying, I am the bread of life. Verse 26, Verily I say unto you, Seek ye me not, because you saw the miracles, that you saw the loaves and did eat and were filled. Labor not for that meat which, is, which perishes, but for that meat, meat which endures unto everlasting life. And there Jesus in verse 35 says, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. He that believeth on me shall never thirst. But I said unto you that ye also have seen me and believe not. Here Jesus called to the Jews and they would not. And so the gospel goes forth to the nations of the earth. The gospel goes to the poor, to the blind, to those who cannot but come at the invitation of the Lord Jesus Christ. There in that wonderful I am statement, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. And it's at the table, it's at this meal, that we see the call of Jesus to sinners to come and dine with Him. As we see this meal, we see not just Jesus sitting down and satisfying His hungry body, but we see Jesus as the bread of life. We see Jesus as the Son of God inviting us to witness to His saving grace. Jesus invites sinners to His table so that we will welcome sinners to our table. And one thing we learn from this passage of Scripture and it needs to be impressed in our minds over and over again is the call of the Lord Jesus Christ to discipleship means that we're called to show hospitality to those outside of the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
the greatest witness Christians have is to show hospitality and grace to those outside of the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. And hospitality is one way that we can show the mercy and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. What other excuses can we come up with? We have no reason to offer any excuse because the Lord Jesus Christ calls us to follow Him. And will you follow Him? Will you lay aside all things for the sake of the kingdom of God? Will you identify yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ? Oftentimes we think we know the gospel. But you know what? The gospel is not just some platitude. The gospel is the call to follow Christ and to serve Him. And if we're not, fall, if we're not compelled to come and show compassion and mercy to sinners, how can we follow the Lord Jesus Christ? And so as we consider this passage this morning, and there's much more that could be said about this. But here we find Jesus calling us to follow Him. Will you follow Him? Will you give up all things for the sake of the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ? I would urge you today to call upon the Lord to find that He is indeed one who will satisfy your hearts and will fill you with His mercy and grace. Let us pray. Lord Jesus Christ, we give Thee thanks for the glorious gospel that You have given unto us. We thank You for the call to come, that call that compels us to come today, that call that compels us to lay aside our own weaknesses, to lay aside our pride, to lay aside our false pietistic humility and to follow you. And Lord, we pray that you would compel the consciences of men who are sitting here today. That you would compel the consciences of women. And we pray that we would receive the Lord Jesus Christ. That we would follow him and do what he has called us to do. We give thee thanks for that great mercy that you have given unto us. We thank you for that mercy that overflows in the hearts of your people. Thank you for that great provision that you've made for our souls. We pray that even this week as we prepare to come to the table of the Lord, that we might come with a desire to feed upon you, that we might come with a desire to follow you more diligently. Hear our prayer, O Lord, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Let us sing together our final psalm, Psalm 34b, O come my sons, give heed to me.